Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week, we talk a lot about communication and the importance of staying in touch with family, friends, whomever, and our struggle of being intentional about who we want to stay in touch with. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode with The Struggles. My name is James. Got Sean. Hello. Should we have more introductions? Like a better introduction? We have an introduction already in place. Yeah, it's that standard one that we that we have. The one that you wrote up and we just spoke. <laughs> Actually, we should update it now that we rebranded the podcast to The Struggles versus Startup Struggles. And one thing we're going to talk about today is struggles with communication. It's a big topic. It's a very like, passionate topic, actually, for me. To share some context this week, I finally sent out my annual update to a list of 150 people that originally started out as like 30. <laughs> it's a lot of people. I mean, it's a lot of people and it was a very long email. It's a new tradition that I'm starting. I had like three really close buddies that always sent out an annual update. And I just, I really loved them. I mean, they were long. They were fucking long. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot in them. One of, one of my buddies, Austin, he actually has this like mind map. It's like this insane map where he breaks down every part of his life family and then like webs out like all the things updates around his family right hmm. it's like it's like a visual map and then it's like oh, it's like obsidian obsidian map yeah yeah no no, no that, that's a relational map this is more like a what do you call it what those those charts those org charts where it's like finance department and all these people and like accounting whatever that's called that kind of chart like a pyramid chart i guess but it's like that he basically just breaks out every section family personal then it's like sex intimacy, right? Like he has very detailed updates and goals for every single aspect of his life. Wow. Like financial, career. And some of it he redacts, obviously, the stuff that's like personal like intimacy, like he redacts it for the version he sends out to us. But it's just so interesting. Like it's that detailed. Anyway, so I sent this thing out. And part of the reason, the, the biggest reason was that I realized that a lot of our friends, a lot of my friends are not near me. And the monthly calls that I do with them or quarterly calls just isn't enough time to catch up both ways. You end up feeling like there's a lot that you don't share. And then over time, there's this debt that accumulates, what I call like communication debt. And it causes a lot of issues that I've realized personally. One, it causes a resistance to reach out to that person because I feel like I'm in so much debt with them. That like, if I were to call them and we got an hour, it would just feel so shallow because there's so much that I'm not sharing with this person that's supposed to be really close to me. And it's not enough time to, for them, them to share like with me as well. And so there's, there builds up a lot of debt where it creates a distance where then I feel distant from this person. And that only accumulates over time. And so why is this debt even, why does it even matter? Well, these little pieces, little bits of our lives that we miss out on sharing, they're actually catalysts for conversation. 
there might be an aspect of your life, something that you're going through that they don't know about. And so the two of you are not having a conversation about it. And that was very poignant. Like with my annual update, one thing I talked about in there was mental health. And there's a few people that reached out and they were like, they want to talk about their mental health. I was like, fucking fantastic. <laughs> you know, like, like this is why. And it's like, there's, there's no way if I were to call them, that would have been like the first thing I would have talked about. It was like, hey, you want to talk about mental health? <laughs> you know? And so then it would just been like, we would have just had a really shallow conversation, in my opinion. I'm just like, oh yeah, like the kids are fine. Like, yeah, work is going. And it's just that like very shallow level conversation. It's hard to get deep if you don't know what people are going through. And so that was my effort to kind of fill that communication debt, as I call it. Okay. Now, why is communication debt even like a theme that I want to talk about this week? It started really like with my parents. And this is like a theme that like I am very passionate about in espousing to my close friends and my even my partner because we kind of just assume our parents and family know what we're up to or know what we're thinking or they even assume that we know what they're thinking and what they're up to, what they're going through. And the reality is we don't. And so it's even more important to communicate more with family so that they stay in the loop as to like exactly what you're thinking, like what you're going through, like all these things. Because when you don't, then just like any friendship, like it creates distance, it creates an information gap where there's an immense amount of room for misunderstanding. And that's why I found my parents. More importantly, this is something I experienced personally was that the bigger the information gap, the more I felt like a kid to them, the more I felt like this top-down relationship mm -hmm. versus like at our age, it should be a mutual, like we should be friends. I should be able to respectfully disagree with you, <laughs> you know, and vice versa. You should be able to respectfully accept my way of life, you know, my opinions as perfectly valid. But to get to that level of friendship, as with any friendship, both parties need to be informed. Both parties need to be up to date. Because if they're not, then they're going to worry, especially as parents. They're going to worry. And then it's going to result in this parent-child relationship, which I don't think anybody likes at this age. And so that was something like I, I noticed a lot with Mink early on, was just like, even in her late 20s, I'll use her as an example, she still felt like a kid to her parents. Like she still felt like she was being treated like a child. And I was like, well, you feel that way because they don't know what the hell you're up to. So they're just going to enforce that relationship they've always had, which is, I don't know what you're up to, so I'm going to tell you what's best for you. Yeah, I can see that. Whereas with my relationship, she's always been like, how are like, your parents so respectful of your, your opinions and your views? And I was like, well, I call them twice a week, you know, to keep them up to date. I'm like, this is what's going on. Even there's nothing going on, just like, hey, what's up? Right, how are you guys doing? Everything good? Long story short, communication is key with any relationship. If you feel like you can maintain a relationship without communication, that's just like without active communication or proactive communication, it's going to fall apart. It's going to create a lot of miscommunication if you don't stay up to date. Yeah, I think you, you can apply this to every aspect of life, even at work. If you have a manager, even coworkers, colleagues on what you guys are working on. And that's what's interesting is I think many people realize that aspect. But then again, when it comes to family, 
your partner, whomever. It's just like you kind of just take it for granted. You're like, you just assume they would know, but they don't. <laughs> and that assumption hurts so much. Back in the day, when my parents like try to tell me something, I'm like, dude, I'm already doing this. Or very recently, you know, I've been really busy with Mila, obviously, the new baby, and, and uh, haven't had much of a chance to update them on like Miles' life. But then one day, like, they just like kind of blew up at me. They're just like, no, you shouldn't do that, blah, 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 with Miles. Like, you gotta, don't put Miles in like speech therapy. Like, speech therapists are all like hacks, you know? They're, I was like, holy shit. I just, all I said was like, oh, we're on our way to like this, uh, you know, speech therapy program that's free, provided by Irvine. And then I just like turned into this like two hour long, like, you know, like rant from them. And I was like, holy shit, I haven't kept them up to date. And they're like, you should like, you know, it's the child has no problem. Like it's the parents, it's you guys, you guys are not spending time with them enough. You guys aren't like communicating with them in this way. You guys aren't like doing this, doing that. And I was like, I know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I totally blame us. I don't think Miles is the problem. I totally agree with you guys. And they still kept on ranting, you know, like for another like 30 minutes after that, they're like, da 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 da. And I was just like, guys, calm down. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> like, you know, like we're on the same page. We're actually taking them to therapy so that I learn how to communicate with them. I'm not like tossing them to somebody and be like, hey, fix my fucking kid. It's like, no, no, like <laughs> I'm trying to learn. Like the speech therapist give me advice. I'm like, all right. When you're playing with Miles, like describe everything that's happening. The car is going over the bridge. Just describe the play. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's so obvious, right? Now that I mention it, you just use words to describe literally everything that they're doing. Anyway, long story short, I realized like I have not kept you guys. I, I started getting caught up in those emotions. I was like, dude, why are you guys attacking me? Like I'm, I'm doing my best, you know, I'm fucking <laughs> exhausted, you know, like, and sometimes like for me too, when she heard that, she was like, oh, maybe it's just like, they're just triggered by the word therapy. And she's like, just tell them he goes to like a, he's going to a reading club. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, that's really what it is. The glorified reading club. Yeah, that's true. I don't know about your parents, but you know, my parents are, they speak English, but we're communicating mostly in Chinese and I'm fluent in Chinese, but I'm not like a master of like adult Chinese. I know child Chinese, <laughs> Chinese as a kid. Yeah. There's a ceiling at how much you can communicate. Right. Especially with uh, parents who are, that's their native tongue. Yeah. And sometimes like I hear something or I say something and I might not be using the right word, right? Or I might not be understanding the word. Like I think they're being critical, but they're just using a word that's just like normal. But regardless, that's where I just, I really push to over communicate. Before I used to react to what they would say, something I, I would think was critical. Now I just like take a step back, like, what do you actually mean by that? Like, what do you mean? Can you explain? That actually helps them calm down a lot because then they take a step back and be like, oh, this is actually what we mean. It's helped a lot. And it's something that like I notice if I don't call them often, or calling is one thing, but if I don't update them often enough, tensions happen. And when I do keep them up to date every fucking week, it's peaceful. They don't get more more involved. At a certain point, I think there's a there's a plateau. In the beginning, they did. But then at a certain point, there is this understanding and just calm because then they're just like, oh, he's already thought of that. Like he's thinking about these things. There is a level of trust that is built. That's like the one thing I like just really want to work. I had a really bad relationship with my parents, like high school to college. I didn't talk to my parents for like four years in college. 
high school was like tumultuous. I wasn't that rebellious. Not like I did drugs or drink alcohol or anything. But but once I entered college, I was like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> and uh, I feel like a lot of people go through that. I went through that. I think the turning point for me and why I started just calling them consistently was like my late 20s. I don't know where I read this or heard this somewhere. I was like, they're like, dude, once you get past like 25, the amount of time that you're going to spend with your parents for the rest of your lives is very, very little. I think you and I see our parents relatively pretty frequently. We'll see them maybe like a month out of the year. Yeah, I'm trying to think where, maybe it was Tim Urban had an article about that, like how much time you... You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that means like, even if we spend like 30 days a month with them, not quality time, just like hanging around because they're just here, right? For the next 10 years, we're going to spend 300 days with them. That's it. We're going to see them for 300 more days. And then maybe they're gone. Even if you see them four times a year for the rest of their lives, they really only have about X amount of years left, you know? And you just never know. And so I don't know if it's like the best way or it's just a very realistic way to think about how much time we actually have left, especially with our parents. And if you broke it down into hours, it's like not that many hours that you'll see them. I wasn't coming at it from like a very, you know, morbid or like regretful place. But it's one of those things where I'm like, our parents, our family, my brother, just like anybody in this world, you can't take for granted that like just because you're blood, they're going to understand you. Because clearly, for 25 fucking years, they did not understand me. (laughs) But the more I communicated with them and kept them in the loop on things, the more they understood me. And in turn, like, they stopped lecturing me and like, would actually just listen to what I was doing. Like, they were interested and curious, like, oh, what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts about this? And they would ask me, like, what are your plans, you know? And then after a while, they like stopped. It's not that they stopped giving advice. I think they realized, like, we don't have to worry as much. We've taught them enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the biggest thing is just that communication debt seems harmless, but it just accumulates and it's really, really detrimental. Do you think that the communication debt is with all of your friends? Do you experience that? Or is it just with the select people? Because I definitely agree that there is some communication debt that I have with some friends, but with others, we talk maybe once a year and it's fine and we catch up. Maybe not for the, you know, everything that's happening in life and you can't go as in depth, but there are just some friends that are, it's, it's much easier to get very real, very, very quick. I'm thinking of one person in particular, but he lives in Chicago. I, I talk to him maybe once a year, but I wouldn't say there's much debt between him and I. But then at the other hand, there's another friend of mine who I really do experience a lot of debt. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to really pick up where we can. But it's also because I think it's only experience in my side. I don't think he cares. Not that he doesn't care about me, but I don't think he cares about the debt. I don't think he thinks there's any debt at all and there's no reason to really to communicate. I don't even know if that's really considered a friend or not. Can't really tell anymore. So do you think it's with certain people that there's debt? I think it's with anybody that you want to maintain a relationship with. So what if it's only updates in one direction? I think that's still fine. There's definitely bilateral debt. If you want to stay in touch with this person and neither of you are updating each other, right? There's, there's a two-way debt, right? 
But my goal in sending this out, starting to send this out every single year is like, I'm at least going to close my side of the debt hmm. so that, you know, at least you're up to date on me. And now the ball's in your court. You don't even have to fucking read my email. <laughs> it's like, but if you want to know what's going on in my life, you want to, you know, reciprocate, like, go for it. Out of the 150 people, I can tell you this, so far, I think like 50 people have responded, which is a fucking boatload of people. That's a great response rate. <laughs> yeah. But that also means 100 people didn't respond. That's totally okay. Some of these people are my best friends. Phil didn't respond. Andy didn't respond. But that's okay. At least I'm at peace that like they're up to date on me. And now the next time I, I talk to them, like I don't have to waste any time. I can spend that hour with them just like getting up to date on them. What if they didn't read your email? That's also fine. The whole purpose, and that's why I like this email format, this newsletter format versus like putting on a blog. That's what bedeviled me for a while. So I was like, at least I sent it to them. Like I could send them a, a mail, physical mail. They could also not read it. <laughs> it's like, but at least the, again, the ball's in their court for this relationship. Is debt the right word for this? Because debt seems kind of negative to me. Mm. I get what you mean. And it's interesting to bring that up. And I, I think this will vary on the person, right? You can call it information gap. But I specifically use the word debt, not because I owe them anything, but because I owe us something. You and me, this relationship, it's an us relationship. I owe us something. I want this relationship. Maybe you don't, but I want this relationship. I want us to be friends. And so at least I'm going to deposit into this bank of us to pay off my debts. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I say that because then at least I know I tried. I'm at peace with that. And more so with like inquiry and all these things like that we read and it's like, we can't control other people. And I think that's where people get caught up is like, they're just waiting on somebody else to do something. I'm waiting on my parents to finally accept me. I'm waiting for my parents to finally like, whatever. Right? It's just like, no, they're, they're not going to do shit until you, you do something, you know, like, you know, especially they're going to grow more old and more senile, right? Like, what's my responsibility in this relationship? And that's kind of what I realized. I started it with my parents, and then now I'm branching out to my friends. And it's served me very well. I have a very good relationship with my parents, in my opinion, as equals. It doesn't mean like they don't try to send me like a birthday present sometime, you know, or like when I was needing financial help, helping me out financially. It doesn't mean any that they're not doing any of that, but at least it's on like a friend level. Just like if I was like, hey, James, like I need some help. You, know, you help me out as a friend. Anyway, it's something that, I like want to write a book about someday. Yeah, it'd be great. You even have the title, Communication Debt. I really like the uh, depositing for the bank of us. That's the other thing, James. Like Again, like we can't control what other people will do, but at least I'm putting in my part. And who knows? Maybe five years down the line, like they'll be like, wow, I haven't done my part. Or 10 years from now, they'll be like, you know what? I haven't kept you up to date. I'll be like, cool. Let's talk. One of the things that I realize is I think the hard part that some people might experience, also from my own experience, if you are always depositing something, but you don't see the returns in that, that can also be something you'd have to work around and work with, 
right? Because that's the expectation of them to return something back. But I have this weird feeling that you're going to (laughs) say, you can't expect that. You can't. You cannot. It's not in your control. And so I think it's up (laughs) to you when that happens to actually not necessarily like cut them out, but just to no longer feel that there is a debt to us. Not necessarily. Maybe debt is a wrong word as you're kind of using this example, because maybe what I'm doing is depositing into an investment account of us and I'm investing in us. And I want to continue investing in us, even though you don't want to deposit. That's okay. I'm, I'm deposit. You know, I have a uh, savings account. You know, education savings account for Miles. Miles not depositing shit. You know, I'm depositing for him. You know, but I'm depositing for us, the future of us, him and I. I think at some point, though, it's okay to no longer have to deposit into that fund, especially if you feel that there's going to be no return. And the reason why I say this is because. There are definitely people that I no longer try to keep in touch with anymore. Because after some time, you just realize that they don't want to be part of a relationship. I see what you're saying, but I don't think anything is definite. I don't see relationships as a finite timeline, like it has a beginning and an end. I see it as like what you're saying, your buddy that you catch up with once a year, like, you don't communicate for 364 days out of the year and then one day you catch up. There are certain people that like, I don't want to, I mean, I know like thousands of people. <laughs> like Clearly, I picked out 150. <laughs> like There's a lot of people I decided not to keep them up to date on me. Yes. But of the people I choose, I, I think I will continue to keep them up to date indefinitely. That's fine. I'm just saying if anyone, listeners who are wanting to try this, I think in 10, 15 years, or even one year or two years, that list shrinks. I don't think that's a bad thing. That is just a natural progression of life. Maybe it shrinks. Maybe it just changes. It's actually very coincidental that I came up with 150, by the way. Very coincidental. There is science behind that. Like We can only maintain close relationships with, I think, 150 people. <laughs> by close, I don't mean like everyday communication, but like your community, your tribe, your village sort of deal. People that you know well enough, right? That you're acquainted with. Like Eric, I'm not acquainted with your brother. I'm not acquainted with anymore. I I have no fucking clue what's going on with him. I know him, but I'm not acquainted with him. To your point that there is definitely a limit. How many people I can, that I want to stay in touch with. I'm sure next year, your list might still be 150, but a few people might be removed and a few people might have been added. Totally. It's a choice that you make at some point where you'll invest elsewhere. Your time is limited. That's true. That's kind of what I'm getting at is for me, I, I, I wanted to like keep in touch with everybody. In New York, I was such a social butterfly going to like three, four different things every night, like going to this person's birthday, that person's birthday. But I realized that that made me very shallow as a friend. I didn't know everyone that well enough. I knew them just enough. And then over time, I just decided who I would spend, maybe not even time, but more effort. Like your effort to write this, it is an investment that you are giving to other people. And I think that is the people that are receiving the investment, your time, your effort, that can change. So for anyone that is kind of considering doing this or 
in a place where they're struggling with some relationship or trying to either revamp one like or bring one to light or to make a new new one or to reach out to like a friend that you haven't reached out to in a while i think one you just have to expect that you can get nothing in return because that that is the worst outcome right mm-hmm. and then the best outcome would be that they reply and they give back but you can't expect that and who is receiving your effort just changes over time yeah that's going to be normal and you shouldn't feel bad about it i agree i felt guilty for a long time certain people that i feel like oh i need to keep in touch with this person but over time i just realized it was very one-sided and so i just let that go i mean it still hurts once in a while when i think about it let me add to that. So I initially had some resistance to what you were saying, and I realized this internally because I, of the 150 people, there are like probably 15, 20 core people that I, like I was saying, I would keep them updated indefinitely because they're super close friends. But then I thought about that. I was like, what's my attachment to that? Why am I so attached to it? And I shouldn't be. Yeah. But I will still make the effort because to me, it's just, it's just an email list. It's not like I'm like dialing each of them individually like 30 years ago. Right? It's like, it's literally just an email list that I just blast out. Very low effort. High effort writing, low effort sending out. I think part of my rationalization is that we may not be close now because we are in different stages of our lives, but we may be close again soon. Take Phil, for example. Perfect example. We're the same age. But like we're in relatively starkly different stages of life, right? I have like a three-year-old and a six-month-old, and he's like he's not even married yet. But like I imagine when he's married and has kids, things may be different again. We may have a closer bond, more reasons to like connect because we talk about kids or go travel together as families. And so in that specific case, like yeah, I'm going to continue investing in that relationship, even though it's challenging to maintain it, <laughs> you know, or it feels one-sided. I think that's good. It's a very hopeful way to think. Yeah. And not to be negative about it and, and not to say anything about Phil. I like Phil. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't do this, but there is a chance in any type of this struggling to hold on to a relationship where a big change in their lives, like getting married or even having kids or getting a different job or whatever, could actually push you further apart. Yeah, maybe. And I don't mean to keep pressing on this issue, but I think it's more I'm trying to make myself feel better <laughs> because I definitely did this. There were people that I, were, I was keeping in touch with a lot and pushing very hard to keep a relationship alive, but something happened and I was just like, fuck this, I'm done. Like If they want to reach out, they can reach out, but I've essentially severed the relationship just because I've stopped trying to reach out to them. It's ended it because I don't believe that they'll ever reach out to me. Yeah. And for a while, I, I felt very guilty about that, but can't feel guilty about it. And I wonder if that, that would happen to you. But that's kind of what I mean, is that I think I used to feel that way when the level of effort seems high. This is a great point that you're bringing up, because what we haven't talked about is time commitment, like maintaining relationships, even with 150 people, if I talked to one person per hour, right? It was like, that would like take up half my year, like if I just talked to one person a day. But I think if the time commitment is low, which is in this case, I'm totally willing to do it. I'll give another example of a mutual friend of ours, Brian. I haven't talked to Brian in like two years. 
But I hesitated for a bit. I was like, do I email Brian? Send him this. And I did. And he responded. I was like, dope. <laughs> you know, like, and it's like, what's going on with you? That just sparks that conversation at least. And part of the reason why is because like I respect the guy. Whether or not like we're close friends, it doesn't matter. It's like people on the li- on this list, I respect. I respect enough that I want to keep in touch with them. And that's how I think about this list too. And who knows? We had a great time, you know, back when we were living in LA, right? Going through the same things in life. But now it's like, you know, when he was launching Bun Truck, we we're helping him design like the Bun Truck and all, all that stuff. And we cross paths. And it's just like, maybe we'll cross paths again down the road. And then that's maybe for me, and maybe I'm thinking about this too from a long-term business relationship perspective. It's like, yeah, from a business relationship perspective, I do want to stay in touch with these people as well. I respect them as business people. You're not wrong. Like there are people that I ha- I don't want to say I've cut out in my life, but I just like, I don't want to maintain that relationship. There's definitely people like that. Yeah. I'd be hard pressed to think of those people. <laughs> That's what's important. I think here is, you know, hearing you go through this struggle live on air. I'm curious, like, do you have resentment? Are you holding on to resentment towards that relationship because it was so difficult to like maintain but you still want to maintain that relationship. Like you still want that relationship deep down inside. No, I think that's what I feel guilty is about is that I was able to say, fuck it, I'm done. But James, like, I'm pretty sure there's like hundreds, if not thousands of relationships that you just said fuck it to that you don't give a shit about. This one's different because it's, it's a much closer friend. That's interesting. This is like a childhood friend? Kinda. I don't want to talk about this on air. Oh, okay, okay. What I struggled with, and actually this might apply for a lot of people, is just just because you grew up with them, just because you went to the same high school or their childhood friends or whatever, doesn't mean, like you're saying, even if you're blood related, it doesn't mean that you have a given relationship to hold on to. You still have to work on that. That's a good summary, James. I think that's what it is, is that these are the relationships that I want to, cont- it's not even, I call it debt because that's how I think about it. We can call it gas, but these are the people that I want to put in the effort with at this stage of my life. These are the select 150 people I want to put in some effort. Very little. Let's be real. It's a very little effort. I mean, it's only little because of it's an email form, but dude, that email that you wrote was freaking long. True. It's not small effort for that, you know? And the 50 people that responded, I did did respond to every single one of them. Yeah. (laughs) So there's, it's effort. This annual update, that is definitely effort. And even though you say it's divided amongst 150 people, for those individual people that read it, for them, they get your full effort. That's true. Right? For you, it's divided by that many people and you're like, oh, I'm doing it for everybody. But really, no, you're not. You're doing it for one person because you would send that update out even if it was one person. That's true. So I I think you can't shorten how much time and thought actually goes into this annual update. And so I think the dangerous thing that maybe other people, if they want to try this and they will get kind of wrapped up in is the reply rate or the open click rate or the read rate, right? Like you can't get lost in that. What if you send it to hundred people and no one replies? Like, how would you feel? And so I think that's something you got to work out on. And, and Sean, like you've been working on this for so long. So that's probably why it's easy for you to Kind of say like, oh, only a third of people replied. I was like, that's incredible. Yeah, I was 
blown away. <laughs> like, yeah, but what if it was 0%? What if no one even opened it? I don't think that would happen. Yeah, that wouldn't happen, but... I'm not even saying for me. I'm just saying in general, like... Yeah, if you send it to 150 people... <laughs> somebody's going to read it. Someone's <laughs> going to read it and someone's <laughs> going to reply. The odds are in your favor there. But yeah. I'm just saying, for anyone who's going to try this, you're putting this out as an investment, but the returns might not be there for you. Or the returns may be delayed. Yeah. Maybe that's something important to bring up is that I'm always playing the long game when it comes to relationships. I don't know why. I don't know how I got that idea, but I, I always play the long game when it comes to relationships. Maybe it's something that you learned with your parents. Maybe you realize that with your parents, it just took 10, 15 years for the relationship to develop. And so you just apply it to other people. Maybe. Or just that you found that some relationships just take that much time. Maybe. Now, I like the way you're, you're pushing on this because it's not as straightforward as it seems. And even like if I were to talk about the process, the process was challenging because it's not as easy as it sounds. Just like, you know, like write an email, send it to people. It's like I had to literally think up of all the people and then I had to go collect all their emails of which some people's emails I didn't even have. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had to go text them. I'd be like, yo, what's your email? Like, <laughs> And even what you're writing, to think about what happened as an update of last year. One thing that helped a lot, because I, I didn't even know where to start with this thing. I just started out with the outline. What are the bullet points of things that happened? And then I expanded from that. And same with the email list. Who are some people that come top of mind? And then I expanded from that. It was definitely a challenge. That's why it took me two and a half months to do it, to finally send it out. Yeah. It was funny when I actually did send it out. I was thinking about asking Ming to read it first, but she's been really busy with work. And then when she finally read it, she's like, dude, you didn't mention me at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I pushed out a baby. You didn't even mention me. I pushed out a baby. I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) That's true. I guess you didn't talk at all about your partner. I I talked about the kids. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, yeah. I can't say that that you talked about Ming because you talked about kids. It's not fair. No, I didn't. It's terrible. And so now I know. I'm like, ah, okay. I mean, she did a lot of things. But that was the other thing I was trying to contain. I, I did think about it because I initially in my outline, I did have like, oh, she passed her boards. You know, it's like a, it was a kind of a major milestone event. Dude, that's huge. But it's not you. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. And so I, in the end, I took it out. But that is a huge part of you, though. It was a huge moment for us as our, our family, right? Yeah. Well, that's something I'm going to try to balance out a little bit more my next annual update. It'll be interesting to see how your annual updates evolve. Just like your friends who eventually turned it into like a mind mapping thing. I bet you it didn't start off with a mind map. It was probably similar to you as just some one long essay and bullet points. And then he wanted to make it more visually attractive. I love it. I just love it. And... That's a response that I got too. Like a lot of people are like, they want to do it as well. I'm like, please do it. And just include me on it. Yeah. I sent one out, but I didn't include you. Are you serious? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's also efficient. Let's just be real. It's a very efficient mode of communication. It's a one-to-many form of communication and efficiency in the standpoint that like efficient for me. Like It's not efficient for you to read that long ass thing. But, but if you want to, it's there for you. I feel like there are some people who are just, they don't really email. It's all text. It blows my mind when somebody like sends me a holiday card. I'm just like, dude, stop killing trees. Just send it to me digitally, please. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 
to tie that all in, please call your parents. For those of us fortunate enough to have our parents around, please call them or write them, write your family. Actually, I, I should send my email to my parents. <laughs> my mink was like, do you send it to your parents? I was like, no. <laughs> oh man, they're not on the list. I thought for sure they'd no. be on there. What, is no, Robert on, on the there? List. Robert is on the list. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just call your parents and then read them your annual update. That'll count. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like an hour and a half long conversation. <laughs> but I, I think if anything, takeaway for people is just, you know, if you've been hesitating, especially during the pandemic, the past couple of years of reaching out to people or reconnecting with people, I think this email is an easy way. You don't have to do it through some like MailChimp or anything. Just like apparently you can BCC up to like 300 people or 400 people in Gmail. Hmm. So that's what I did. BCC to 150 people. Beauty of that is there's no open rate to deal with. <laughs> you know, like I'm just sending it out and enjoy. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Take care.